So week two, me and more, we're going to start out talking about Paul and the church in Corinth. Uh, the book of Corinthians, Paul wrote three letters historically, but only two made it into scripture. Only two were canonized. Um, there are reasons for that. But uh, Paul started this church in this city called um, Corinth. And um, Paul had a number of challenges pastoring this church and leading this church. Um, one, one challenge, namely, was relationships. Relationships was a huge issue for Paul. Singles wanted to be married, which is a natural thing. Uh, some married people wanted to be single. <laughs> and others wanted to be with people that they had no business wanting to be with. I mean, you got issues there where Paul is addressing sons and stepmoms. And, and, and fathers and stepdaughters, and he's saying this, isn't, this shouldn't be so. And so um, he has some issues centered around relationships. As a matter of fact, I want to give you some homework this week. Go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 when you have the time. And uh, it talks on at length about relationships and what God has to say about singleness and, and married life. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we'll start off there today. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 6 says this. Paul says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. So Paul is saying, I didn't, I didn't necessarily get this from God. This is from my heart. This is Paul filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and I'm going to share this from the heart. This isn't a command from, from Jesus. He says, but I wish everyone were single. Some of you single people are like, I'm trying to get married. I don't know what. <laughs> Paul, I don't know what you're talking about. And y'all don't read the Bible? I mean, this is, this is awesome stuff, man. Didn't we read last week about the body and Solomon talking about her body and all that stuff? And y'all don't read the Bible? Y'all better get into this thing. This thing is better than a, a movie. Um, but I almost said soap opera, but I don't know who watches those in our generation anymore. The young and the restless. Anyone had a grandma used to watch soaps? Yeah, used to take a good old nap. Soaps during summer months, soaps. Sorry, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Paul is saying whether you're single, it's a gift from God, or married, it's God's gift to you. So the, the, their relationship status wasn't the issue. The issue was the value that they placed on their situation. It, it, was, it, was, it was misappropriated value. It was wanting to be somewhere else, but God had them in their situation. And so their perspective calls them to devalue the gift, thus missing the blessing. Uh, whenever you devalue something that God brings into your life, it ceases to become a blessing and it begins to become a burden. Hence, it begins to exit your life. Um, I won't go in on that anymore. So, yeah, yeah, I can get real personal on that. This church is a blessing. And, and you're in a relationship with this church. So don't devalue it. It's the house of God. I remember Judah. Judah had the, the best Christmas that any five-year-old could ask for uh, a couple months back. I mean, uh, Nintendo Switch 
He got a Nintendo Switch. He got a race car, Hot Wheels race car ID tracks. These things connect by USB, and uh, they can go up to, I think, some, somewhat, somewhere around 800 to 900 miles per hour, these tracks. Um, ask me where it's at now. It is in a corner gathering dust. Um, he got a trip down to Florida where he got a brand new bike from Grandpa. I mean, the best Christmas a five-year-old could ask for. And um, it's funny because every gift that he opened, me and Kyra, we were sitting there just waiting on him. Like, yeah, he's going to love this gift. I mean, we went to Target and we got it. He's going to love this gift. He'd open the gift, just unwrap it and say, yay, where's my watch? Every, every gift he opened, yay, where's my watch? Where's my watch? He, 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 was, looking, he was looking for something else. And, and so as a result, his joy was short-lived. Because he was looking for something that he didn't have. And, 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 and we had went to great lengths and great, ex, great extent to get that gift into his hands. But his fulfillment was short-lived because he placed so much value on what he didn't have. And this is what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. He's saying, whatever your situation, understand that your singleness should be valued. Valued highly. Valued highly. Another thing, when you don't value a thing, you miss the opportunity it presents. It's really a matter of perspective. You, you miss the opportunity it presents. Like living in America, whew, the greatest nation in the world. Would you attest? But, but there's so much rhetoric out there now about this nation, about this country, and about what the country should do, and what the president should do, and what this and that should do. And, and, and when we devalue where we are, we miss the opportunity that it's still Present. So Paul is saying, I, I, I bring this up as, as wisdom. I'm speaking from the heart. It's a gift. It's a gift. And so what we're going to do is we're going to unwrap our gifts today in a message entitled Christmas in February. Christmas in February. And the first gift that we're going to unwrap is the gift of singleness. My 930 was awake. I don't be knowing about y'all sometimes. 9.30 be up. They be ready. Y'all ready for this message? Y'all awake? Go Hulk Hogan on you. <laughs> that joint used to crack me up, Aaron. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Singleness. Marriage. I know some of y'all feeling some kind of way. Because marriage is brown. <laughs> Singleness is blue and gold. Got to find a way to lift up my singles. <laughs> Exciting, settled, but it's, it's good. It's good. All right, let's talk about the gift of singleness. I'll do two, two apiece. The first thing the gift of singleness brings is freedom. The Bible teaches freedom. Paul says this in the same chapter. And if you're married, don't cut me out. Like I said, these principles can apply. It says this here, 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 28. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord. There he is, the greatest pastor of the past 2,000 years. He's saying, I, single people, I just, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he says this here. Oh, Siri, I know. Okay, sorry. He says this here. 
but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. I will share, I will share it, sorry, with you. Verse 26, because of the present crisis, I think it best to remain as you are. And that, that word crisis is the pressures of life. Because of the present pressures of life. And he says this here, if you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not wrong. It's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time (laughs) will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you from those problems. (laughs) He's saying, you know, you... (laughs) You want, he's getting real, you know, all this, this grace and forgiveness. and Jesus. He's, getting, he's getting real. This is, this is right in your living room, right, right in your home right now. He's saying if you're single, stay single. Don't, don't try to get married if you're single. He's saying because it's going to pre- present a lot of problems. Verse 32, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord, holy in body and in spirit. He said, your heart can get whole. Your heart heart can get well. And he says this here. He says, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities, how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So the gift of singleness brings freedom. Here it is. Go ahead and write this down. From the pressures and concerns of another person. From the pressures and concerns of another person. I mean, I mean, come on now. Like, I, I remember when I was single, and, and some of my singles can relate now. Like, when you wake up, and, and especially on the weekend, and you, you want to go have pancakes. You can go have pancakes, right? Go have some pancakes. When you want some cereal and your cartoons, you can. <laughs> cereal and cartoons. My man over here like, yeah, I remember, I remember those days, yeah. <laughs> Don't shake too hard, fella. I think you got a woman, so she ain't here, but you're shaking hard. <laughs> Um, I won't tell her. Um, you over there. Yeah, yeah. I want my cereal. She ain't let you get your cereal this morning, bro. We'll get to marriage soon. It's all about communication. I'm going to eat my Frosted Flakes now. Leave me alone. Got to talk to her about it. Your time is your time. Ain't got no curfew. Like, I I, I was, uh, I was at Target yesterday. Pick Picking this up for y'all. <laughs> Picking it up. Rode on with you all day. Everyone, these are, this is funny. And people are, no, this is good. I'm at Target, and um, I leave. She hit me with the cologne thing again this week, y'all. <laughs> I already explained myself to you last week. Child of God, husband, father. You never know who you're going to run into. You spray cologne. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm at Wells Fargo the other day, and... Uh, one of the, the bank tellers, he, he attends our church, and, and Jay was like, oh, Dad, you're, you're, you know, you're getting, everyone knows you. I said, ah, everyone doesn't know me. So with that being said, you know, well, you know, no, I don't need people saying I'm the musty pastor. I need to, <laughs> God, leave. 
don't go to his church. He, he musty. I know all of them musty. I can't, I can't do that. I got to smell good. Anyway, so I'm at Target yesterday doing my thing. I, I had to wash a car, get, get our car washed. Uh, you kept the Chick-fil-A bag thing um, in, in our trunk. I had to go to Chick-fil-A and return that. But in my in-between time, I needed to stop at Target. And uh, I get a text while I'm in Target because I'm on her locator. Mm-hmm, in Target. I'm a grown man. I'm faithful. I'm a dad. I'm, come on now. I can do what I want with my time. Where the single people at? Single people, put your hands together if that sounds good. When you're free, you're free. You ain't got to worry about all that. Right? And that's what Paul's saying. You're, you're free from the pressures. And so many of us want to be locked down. I don't mean to put it that way, but so many of us want to be tied down. I want somebody to tie me down. Okay, that, um, that don't sound right. Here we go. Your money is your money. Your money is your money. Freedom. The second thing that the gift of singleness brings into your life is time. Time. I'm, I'm a, follow me here. I'm going to go Genesis, okay, and then I'll go back to my time point. So, there's no better character than to look at uh, than Adam when it comes to singleness and timing. And Adam says this here. It says this here about Adam in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. There are a few things that, that Adam did with his time. I, I can relate to Adam. I remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus, I was, I was dating this young lady, and she didn't, want, she didn't want to make that jump. You know, she went to church, but I, I dove in deep. I wanted to get into my faith. I wanted to, to be pure. I didn't want to, you know, spend the night anymore. I didn't want to sleep around anymore. I wanted to honor God with my body. She didn't want to go that deep. She wasn't ready for that, and that's okay. And so I started this journey of seven years of being single. And, and I was able to optimize my time. And I want to encourage you with this if you're taking notes. While you're single, it is important that you, number one, grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. When, when, when God created Adam, Adam's only relationship was with God. And at, Adam got stronger and stronger in his faith. He got stronger in his trust. He became stronger in his obedience before the fall. He became stronger in his obedience. He, he, he was strong. And, and so when, when a person first comes to Jesus, it's so important that you begin to root yourself in the word of God. I'm not talking about this, any kind of mythical story about this Jesus that comes out of nowhere. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, his story that you can find in Scripture. So it's so important that when you're single, you grow in your, go ahead and write this down, you grow in your word life. You got to grow in that word. And so um, during, during those times, I, I would do all my studies and it would be 10 o'clock at night. I said, man, I got, I got to get to know Jesus. So I would stay up from 11 to sometimes 2 a.m. in the morning just reading my Bible, getting those instructions, getting those promises from God's word, seeing how they apply, taking those notes, seeing seeing what, what, what my interpretation was of the word of God. You got to get into 
the word of God. And the second thing is you got to develop a prayer life. It is so important in your single years that you learn how to talk to God, not just in a crisis. I think a lot of times we talk to God and it's our last line of defense when it should be our first line of offense, offense. We, we should be getting up in the morning, praying and, and declaring and thanking God and going at it with, with a victor's heart and a victor's attitude. So it's so important when you don't have any distractions, when no one's calling you up, when no one is looking for you, that you learn how to communicate and how to hear from God. Another thing is, is uh, part of growing in your faith, um, this time growing in your faith, uh, it gives you the time to heal from past relationships. Past relationships. A lot of you right now, you're single. You haven't been in a relationship for years. Maybe you've been divorced. And, 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 and if you're not careful, these years can go by without you fully healing from what you went through in the past. And anyone can pop up and sweet talk you and love on you and give you a ring and put a ring on your finger. But the question is, is have you been responsible with your healing process? And so a lot of people will jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. And all you're doing is you're carrying brokenness over into brokenness, over into brokenness, over into brokenness. This time as a single person, Paul is saying, allow yourself to heal. Allow yourself to heal. Another thing that Adam did so well before Eve came on the scene was he served God. He served God. So it gives you a time to serve. I love it because Jesus says that um, I will build my church and, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. What is that saying? That's saying that no plan from the enemy will prevail against your life when you're building his church. And so it's essential that you develop an affinity and a joy for serving God's house. So a lot of people will say this, I just want to know Jesus. But, but it, is a, it is an oxymoron to find a Christian that is not serving within a local church. You don't find it. Paul doesn't write about it anywhere. Peter doesn't talk about it anywhere. Jesus for sure doesn't talk about it anywhere. And so it's so important that when you're single, you get rooted in the local church. So as soon as, soon as, I, as, soon as I became single, the first thing I did, aside from reading my Bible, I said, Pastor, put me in the game. Put me in the game. That was a part of the healing process, too, because I'm not worried about being, being with someone else. I'm too focused on serving God. I'm too focused on pleasing God. I'm too focused on getting someone else into heaven. I'm too focused on smile. As a matter of fact, there were so many attractive girls around me at church. It felt good to feel free from the spirit of lust, to know that I'm going to church and it's mostly women and men. It shouldn't be, but it's mostly women in there. And man, she fine and she beautiful and look at her. Oh my God. I could, I could attest to all that, but my heart was becoming so whole that I didn't want any of them because I was, Jesus was filling me up with everything. So it's so important that in your singleness, you learn to serve God because it keep, that's what Paul is saying. It keeps you free of the distraction. Yeah, she looked good, but she ain't fully whole. She crazy. God's working some stuff out in her life. Y'all don't want me to preach this morning. I came soft for 930, but I'm ready. And so um, why is this also important when you're single? Because you're becoming selfless. You don't want to get married to a selfish person. 
So what God does when you, when you serve, when you plug, when you open a door, when you smile, when you kiss a baby, when you change a diaper, when you host, when you preach, when you're serving God, when you're playing, when you're serving God, he's working selflessness in you. Yeah, I want to be married, but God isn't going to bring you a blessing if you're going to sabotage the marriage through being selfish. He's also working dependability. We need y'all to show up at 630 in the morning. All right, I'll be there. Great. You're dependable. Because when you get married and if you have kids, they're going to need you to be dependable. It's, it's, all a, it's all a growing thing when you're single. It's why Paul is saying don't rush out of, how many kids in here? Um, teenagers, teenagers, teenagers. Come on, show of hands, show of hands. How important is it for your parents to be dependable? Say very. Is it very? Would you not say yes? Yes. Yes. You, you need them to shop for your school supplies. You need to, them to give you money for your clothes. You need them to talk to you. You need them to feed you. You need them to support you. Guess when they should have developed all of those traits? When they're single, when they're serving God, when they're growing in their faith. So my teenagers, you're going to be parents one day. You're going to be spouses one day. While you're single, serve the Lord. And so you got to steer clear of anyone that tells you, oh, you're serving too much. Especially for my single folk, you better steer clear of it. That's Satan trying to rob you of who God is preparing for you. You can get with anyone, but, but, but it's, it's who you're becoming. It's who you're becoming that's going to determine the quality of person that God's going to bring into your life. I'll prove it to you right here. Another thing, it gives you the time to discover your calling and pursue it. Here it is. This is why it's so important that when you're single, you have the gift of time. When you're single, you're becoming someone. Adam was so, so, so embedded in his calling. He knew who he was, and he knew where he was going. He knew who he was, and he knew where he was going, so much to the point where God had to put him to sleep. He was so rooted and growing in his faith. He was so rooted in serving that God said, brother, you're so focused. I got to put you to sleep to bring the right person into your life. And it says this here, verse 21, so the Lord had caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. He calls him. He said, man, I got to put slumber over you. You're too focused. You're too ambitious. You're too excellent. Your attitude is too good. If I let you, all you would do is please me. All you would do is serve me. But I got to bring someone into your life. And he says this, while the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. There's a lot of revelation in this. I'm going to try to simplify it. Okay. Number one, he took Eve from Adam's rib. Adam was already excellent. Adam was already selfless. Adam was already dependable. Adam was already mature in his faith. So what he did was he took someone of like quality from Adam and brought her to Adam. So it's so important that when you're single, you got to understand the person that you're developing into is going to attract the person that, come on now, of high quality. 
is truly a gift. So my singles, don't, don't rush. You don't want to be someone's mom or dad. Let God be their father. And you, you want to be a partner. You want to be a friend. And you want God to bring you the right person. And that's the key, too. You don't have to go looking for him. So, so for those of you who are serving God, and, and it's been hard, and it's been long, and it's been tough, and it, look, keep serving God. Don't, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Don't go back to the club. Don't go back to the drinking. Don't go back to the smoking. Don't go back to the sleep. I'm not going to get a church that is awake in this place. Don't lower your standards because your flesh is getting impatient. Keep those standards high, 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 high. Keep them high. You don't have to go look. If I see another uh, inst- uh, social media post, let me finish this verse, then I'll say what I got to say. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of time on singleness. I should have just went with singleness. Here it is. Verse 22. Then the Lord made, you know, verse 23. At last, Adam exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is what I wanted to say. Man, I'm a I'm going to go crazy if I see another social media post where there is a woman down on her knee proposing to a man. That is not what God designed. Don't be desperate. You, you, you really cut yourself short when you're desperate. There's a story in the Old Testament where... Um, uh, Jacob and Esau. Um, Esau was working hard, and he came in from the field, and he was hungry. He was hungry, man. He, oh, my God, bro, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. Give me something to eat. And, and, and Jacob's name means trickster, swindler. That's another thing. When we're desperate, there are people out there that are so, so shrewd. They, they, they'll take advantage of your, of, your, of your desperation. They know you're desperate. And so came in, and oh, my God, I'm so hungry. Brother, give, give me something to eat. Jacob said, this before Jacob got saved, just before he came to the Lord. He said, um, give me your birthright, and I'll make you a bowl of soup. And the birthright, whenever the father passed away, everything went to all the estate, all the money. You know, the little brother got a little bit, a little something. You got everything. He'll say, he said, Esau said, whatever, whatever. Just, just give, 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 give me the soup. Esau exchanges his birthright, his blessings, the promises of God, the plan of God, the destiny of God for a bowl of soup. Single people, hear me. You need to wait on the Lord. He is good. He is faithful. He has someone. There is a plan.
I, I know this to be true. I, I was studying. I was working a full-time job, serving in a local church. And, and I'm going to tell you, it was, it's crazy now that I even think about it as I was studying this weekend. And y'all have heard this before, but in that Barnes & Nobles, there was no seat. You had the, it was a big one, too. It was upstairs and downstairs. You had the downtown cafe, with the coffee and the pastries and all the people. And you had to even have chairs in the aisles where it's just chairs and you can sit down and read a book or study. And you had other, other tables. There had, to be, there had to be about three, four, five, five hundred people in this store. It was a huge store. It was full day. And I was studying and there was one seat left. But, but, but I was so embedded in the word of God and serving God and in pursuing my calling. And now that I think about it, it was destiny. It was destiny. One seat, God brought PK into that seat. I was not looking for her. I wasn't out on the prowl. You didn't catch me at the club on Friday and Saturday. One seat, he, she said, man, and God is going to bring that person into your life. And if you believe it, press in. press in the gift of marriage the gift of marriage the first thing you get with this gift is friendship friendship lifelong companionship I love this verse here Proverbs eighteen twenty two says this a man's greatest treasure is his wife she is a gift from the Lord that's amazing that is amazing. A man's greatest treasure is his wife. She is a gift from the Lord. For all of my spouses, whether you're a husband or a wife in here, I need you to uh, a praise break for about 10 seconds. Give God praise and thanks for your spouse. Put your hands together for your spouse. Come on, man. Don't be outdone by your wives. Ooh, who? I need to hear some ooh, who? There it is. That sounds more like a men's gathering. Should just be clapping. Sorry. You get friendship. Friendship. Go ahead and jot this down. You should like your spouse just as much as you love your spouse. You should like your spouse just as much as you love them. Because you can love someone and not, not like them. I tell people all the time, if, if it boils down to it and it's the end of the world, uh, it'll be PK who, who, who I'm with. She's my best, my best friend. What does friendship look like? Number one, here it is. It looks like laughter. A marriage should be full of laughter. Laughter. It, it, it looks like, here it is. I love this. Traveling together. Adventure. Traveling. Life experiences, laughter. Don't, don't, don't date and have a lot of laughter and, and be friends and have a lot of laughter. And then when you, when you get into marriage, you, you forget to laugh. You got to keep, keep telling jokes. You got to learn how to argue, too. We, we've gotten to the place where we'll have some blow-ups, but we always kind of round it up. We talk about it and we laugh about it because she's my best friend. And I don't want to do anything to break the relationship between our friendship. 
yeah, the marriage is included, but this, you're a friend, you're my best friend. I don't want, I don't want us to hurt each other beyond a certain point. All right, when we get below the belt, that's enough. We're friends. I'm in this and I'm for you. And this is the way you got to see marriage. If you're going to go ahead and write this down and don't, don't clock out on me here, singles, go ahead and write this down. When you're married, you're on the same team and the goal is to win the championship. So, so if, if I got to become the score or the go-to person, I'll score. If I got to become the person that passes the ball and plays the defense and takes the charges or get the tackles, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll adjust however I need to adjust to ensure that we're going to win the championship. So, so a lot of marriage has to be honest, transparent communication and vulnerability. And um, once again, just to be a little transparent, not too deep, but just went through one of the toughest seasons of our marriage as we head into year seven of our marriage. But when we finally sat down and heard each other out and said, okay, I can adjust there, you can adjust there, we've now entered into a brand new season of joy, a brand new season of laughter. Why? Because we're on the same team and we want to win the championship and this is my best friend. So the gift of, the gift of marriage brings in friendship and, and companionship. Friendship also entails supporting each other's dreams and, and, and challenging each other to be the best. You, you want someone like that in your corner, Dennis. Someone that, that when you have a dream, they'll be honest with you. I, I remember when I first brought the vision up for Highlight Church to Pastor Kyra. Man, I felt like, man, I must be an idiot. But, but, because she didn't make me feel as though she supported me. But that wasn't the case. What she, was, she was challenging me to be present in my current ministry. She was saying, we're, we're going to get there, but you need to develop here first. You need to own this church's vision first. She challenged me, and that's what a true friendship is. The Bible says that um, iron sharpens iron. So a friend makes a friend better. A friend makes a friend better. My wife has caused me to become more organized, more timely. She, she's had me think, think better about people and be more gracious and be more patient. It's friendship. It's friendship. Now, she has dreams. I, I didn't know she was so serious about it. She's going to be heading back to school in the fall. Come on now, we can clap that up. After seven years. And so right now, I'm, I'm considering, man, what do I have to do what do we got to move around to make that dream happen? Because I want to go to school, too. You ain't going to leave me stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. Y'all be talking about me. He said stupid, y'all. Y'all should know by now, Ed. I say stuff. I look like I'm in Tyson's Corner. <laughs> what time is it, man? I got two minutes. Oh, snap. All right, here it is. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Go ahead and write this down if you're taking notes. Fruitful means to produce a prosperous outcome. Fruitful. 
When God designed the institution of marriage, so God designed three things, if you're taking notes. The home, which at the centerpiece is the marriage, the home, the government, and the church. And interwoven in the spiritual fabric of all of those institutions, the DNA is prosperity. What, what government, marriage, and church is supposed to produce it's prosperity of all forms. When you think prosperity, a lot of y'all just think of money. No, no, no. It's wealth. It's relationship. It's resource. It's a prosperity of influence. All of those he put in it, and it just, we just read it in Genesis 1. He blessed them. That word there means he enabled them to prosper. So watch this. In Genesis, what is the first thing that the enemy attacks? The marriage. Because he is so upset with God that if he attacks the thing that God loves the most, it won't prosper. And it will hurt God. Why is that? Because the gift of marriage, go ahead and write this down. The gift of marriage is your prosperity and God's glory. That's the gift of marriage. Whenever you see a family that has... Um, Divorce, my auntie divorced, my grandma divorced, my dad divorced, I'm on my third, my second divorce. Whenever you see, see that kind of trend happening, there's a spirit involved. There's an assignment on, on, that, on that family's lineage, on that name, to, to, break, to break the prosperous, the prosperous destiny that God has for it. And, and so what does fruitfulness look like in a, in a marriage? Well, it looks like raising children with their best friend. Go ahead and write that down. Raising children. Notice I didn't say have children because right now not everyone has the ability to have children. There could be genetics, uh, disease, sickness, what have you. That's why as a church we pray to usurp the authority of Satan in sickness and then God, God will bring forth healing. And that will enable people to have children. We've had two or three different stories in this church where people were barren or they were struggling to have kids, we would pray, and then six months, a year later, pastor, we've conceived. What did we do? We just broke some kind of stronghold, spiritual, it's really spiritual, over their lives so that they could bear children, and then raising them. It, a marriage has the opportunity, it's the gift, to raise your children in a, in, a, in a household of faith, where they know God, and where you give them the best chance to fulfill their potential and to encounter the love of God. The Bible says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. A quiver is a, an instrument that holds arrows. It describes your home, your children, as, your, as a quiver. And it says that your children are arrows. So it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And our, our assignment as married couples is to shoot our kids out into their destiny. So part of, part of that multiplication and that prosperity is to raise kids, that fruitfulness, the gift of fruitfulness. Another part of that gift of fruitfulness is you get a chance to plan and strategize with your best friend. How about that? It's a beautiful thing. I ain't talking about your homies or your girlfriend. I'm talking about your spouse. We get to plan how we're going to get out of debt when we're gonna buy a home, how we're gonna serve the Lord. We get to plan trips. We get to plan our retirement. 
We get, you, you get to plan and strategize. You get to plan. And the third part of this gift is purpose and impact. Purpose and impact. God never gave us the gift of marriage to keep it to ourselves. Healthy marriages ought to pull single people in and counsel them, mentor them. Pull in struggling marriages and, and say, come on in a little close. You guys need to heal because you got some kids and, and, and they need you. They need you to, to stick together and to win and to thrive and to be in there. There's a purpose on every marriage. And your purpose is to leave a legacy and an impact. And um, fruitfulness. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Perfect. Most important gift, go ahead and write this down, is the giver. The most important gift is the giver. Just want to let you know that God loves you. And no matter your situation, he is still the giver of good gifts. So whether, whether your marriage is struggling right now or broken or whether you're single and you just feel this big gaping void in your life, I just want to let you know that God, God gives the gift of healing and, and restoration and wholeness. The greatest gift is the giver. It's the giver. It's the giver. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good. And God, I ask that you would, that you would just give wisdom unto your people. God, I pray, Lord, for the hearts of those who are single. I just ask that you would give strength and perspective. God, I pray that you would draw them to your word, that as they seek your face through the reading of scripture, Lord, that you would reveal yourself and your love and your plan to them. God, even those of us who are married, but we're struggling, we feel unequally yoked. God, I pray that as we, as we seek you through scripture and through prayer, that you would bring us clarity, that you would speak into the hearts of our spouses. For those of us that are married and we're healthy, give us a burden for struggling marriages. Give us an awareness and a discernment for those who are single that we may take them in and strengthen them. So I just want to give you an opportunity, church. I want you to wake up right now and pray. Not everyone in here is a believer. Not everyone in here knows the Lord. So I need you to pray and to intercede for those who don't know Christ. For those of you who don't know Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. Jesus Christ, son of God, lived a sinless life. Shed his blood on a cross for my sin and for your sin so that we would be forgiven. Died and on the third day he rose so that we, we would live forever. He is your savior. 
If you want to make him the Lord of your life today, and if you want to say, God, I want you in my heart, I want you in my life, why don't you go ahead and pray with us? Or maybe you know God, but you haven't walked with him, and today you're going to come back home to the Father. So church, in honor of those who are going to pray this prayer for the first time, or of those who are going to come back to God today, go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for my forgiveness. Fill my heart with your spirit. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on, come on.